This episode is brought to you by my signature program, Play Cafe Academy, and my group coaching program, Playmaker Society. If you want to learn more about how you can become a member in either program, head to the show notes or episode description wherever you are listening. Not only do my programs give you the complete blueprint to get from daydream to opening day in your play-based business, it will also teach you how to operate profitably and live the life that you truly dreamed of when you decided to launch this business. So head to the show notes and I look forward to welcoming you inside of my programs. If you own or manage an indoor play center or really any business that serves local kids and families, and you want to operate with more ease and joy all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for small but mighty tips every weekday that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play-based business. All right, Playmakers, this is part three of my mini series on how to better accommodate families who have autistic kids and or adults. And in this episode, we are going to talk about sensory friendly hours. Now, these can be a little bit controversial within the autism community, and that's because there are really amazing ways to execute the strategy. And unfortunately, there are really poor ways to execute the strategy. And a few businesses have really made this be a little bit more controversial than it needs to be. So I'm going to give you just a few tips on how to execute sensory-friendly hours so that you're actually benefiting those in your community who have autism or who have an autistic child or adult in their family and not causing any detriment to either your business or the community that you serve, especially because a lot of businesses that do sensory-friendly hours have the best of intentions, but like I said, they kind of drop off on the execution aspect. So I'm going to give you some tips, both as somebody who has a lot of experience hosting sensory hours in my own business and as a parent who attends a lot of sensory-friendly hours with my autistic son. So I'm going to kind of use both sides of the coin to give you some tips today on how to really execute this in the best way possible. All right. My first tip on how to execute sensory-friendly hours is to be inclusive, especially if your business serves families who have children under five or even like under seven, because so many times children will start showing signs of sensory processing disorder or autism well before they are diagnosed. So a big misstep I see a lot of businesses make is they say, if your you know, son or daughter has been diagnosed with autism or sensory processing disorder, you're welcome to join us for sensory-friendly hours, when really I would much rather have them say, if your child could benefit from sensory-friendly hours or a low-sensory environment, these are, or this is an amazing opportunity for you guys. So I don't want you to require a diagnosis or even allude to the fact that you might require a diagnosis because a lot of times, even if kids aren't autistic or don't have sensory processing disorder, they could still be highly sensitive and their parents might not know why yet. So I would just make it clear that any child that could benefit from a very quiet, a very low-key environment are welcome to attend. So make sure that you're inclusive in your marketing messaging on the signup page and 
make sure you train your staff to help customers decide whether or not these sensory-friendly hours could benefit their family. And one other thing that I wanted to mention here is don't make it seem like kids with autism or kids who have sensory processing disorder or who may get overwhelmed in really intense sensory environments, don't make it seem like they can only attend during these hours. Just let people know, hey, this is an option that's available to you if you've tried to come and visit during open play and it didn't quite work out or for whatever reason. So be really clear that sensory-friendly hours isn't the only time that autistic kids or adults are welcome or kids who have sensory issues. Just let people know that it is just another option or another tool that they can put in their parent toolkit to better help their children really thrive in your environment. So you really want to make sure that you're using that inclusive language throughout and just making it an option for them. Because again, this is another place where I've seen a lot of businesses misstep is, for example, if a child is having a meltdown and it's clear that it's due to sensory overload or something like that. And again, this all comes down to staff training and a lot of times as well, but I've seen a lot of business owners approach that family and, you know, maybe even ask them to leave or say, you know what, we have sensory friendly hours. It's amazing for an owner to approach a family and just let them know like, hey, if this is a little bit too overwhelming for you, or if the crowd is a little bit too big today, I would love to give you credit to use towards our next sensory friendly hour. So there's a right way to approach a family and offer this as an option. And there is a wrong way. So you really want to make sure you're tiptoeing that line and that you are not making it seem like somebody with a disability or somebody who has autism is not welcome in your space during normal hours because that will never go over well. And I would probably venture to say that that's not even close to your intention. So just be really careful the way that you word these types of things and make sure you really train your staff in compassion and Make sure that the families really understand, like I said, that it's just one more option, especially if their child is having a really hard time. And crediting that visit towards the next sensory hour is a great way to kind of make that suggestion without making it a requirement. Because a lot of times parents will spend way too long at an indoor play center, way longer than their kid you know, can probably handle, just because they feel like they want to get the most out of their money. And Again, this is something that I've learned through experience. So just offering kind of a quote unquote out in that scenario and saying, hey, you know, I'd be happy to credit your admission price today if this isn't working out for you and allowing you to maybe come to one of our private events or a sensory friendly hour or something like that. So again, just be really careful the way that you word this and write a script for your staff if you have to, that they can kind of role play and figure out before they're, you know, waist deep in the situation. All right. My next tip is to research and actually make your sensory friendly hours sensory friendly. So again, this is a big mistake that businesses make. They'll advertise sensory friendly hours, but then they won't do the research and they won't go the extra mile to figure out how they need to adapt their business to be better accommodating to children with sensory processing disorder or autism. So some examples of how you can really walk the walk when it comes to sensory-friendly hours is number one, sell limited tickets. So 
make sure you're capping this at a very small number of children. And I'm telling you a lot of people who have children that can benefit from this type of environment, they are willing to pay extra because nothing is more frustrating than a parent of a child who loves to play, but just gets overwhelmed in an intense sensory environment. Then, you know, bringing their child to a facility and having it go completely awry just because it was so loud or way too overcrowded. So I'm telling you, most times they will be willing to pay a little bit more for this smaller, more low-key experience. So make sure you have a very, very limited number of tickets and be sure to enforce it. If somebody shows up at your door and you had previously advertised it as sold out, do not let them in because it's going to really throw off the entire experience and it's going to ruin your reputation as a sensory-friendly business. My second tip for actually walking the walk when it comes to sensory-friendly hours is to always either play very low, very calming music or no music at all. We recently went to a sensory-friendly hour at a gymnastics center And yes, all the kids clearly had autism, or from what I could tell, there was only a few kids, but the lights were super bright and they were absolutely blasting Disney music. And I kind of pulled the owner aside and I said, hey, I really appreciate that you're doing this for families who have autistic children, but here are maybe some suggestions. And all of the parents kind of rushed over and thanked me because the owner honestly just didn't know any better. And yes, they should have done a little bit more research, but They also made the change right away. So I was really happy. And honestly, the mood in the entire room changed immediately. The kids were less hyperactive. Everybody was a little bit more calm. The kids weren't yelling as much. And it really did change the mood. So make sure you are playing low calming music or no music at all. And make sure you dim the lighting if you're able to, if you have dimmers, or if you can turn off one set of lights or maybe use a an alternative to your normal lighting that isn't quite so bright. Another tip to execute sensory-friendly hours is to have out sensory bins or other fine motor activities or puzzles or something like that, maybe fidget toys, anything like that, because a lot of times kids with sensory processing disorder or autism just need to take a little break from being in a a crowd or engaging with others, and they just kind of want to focus on something else. So what we did is on the cafe side of our business is we always set out a different sensory bin and every single month we had a different theme because we did sensory hours one time a month. It was always the second Tuesday of every month and it always sold out. And again, I did not do everything right. I had to really learn all of these tips, unfortunately, the hard way if I'm being really honest. So on the cafe side, we would have a different themed sensory bin that the kids could kind of use to take a break if they needed to. If even though it was just a few kids in the play area, if they felt a little overwhelmed, they knew that they could head over to the the sensory bin and do some digging or scooping or anything like that. And just offering that differentiation in types of play, it can really help all kids, but especially autistic kids. And my last tip is to really train your staff. I've already said this, but train your staff, not just on the tendencies of autistic kids and adults, but treat them or excuse me, train them in their language and the words that they use. Let them know what the autistic community prefers in terms of how they're referred to in terms of all of that stuff. So 
hire an expert if you need to. If you're in Playmaker Society, we actually have a guest expert training on this coming up, but really make sure anybody working this event or anybody selling tickets for this event is really well-versed on exactly what you will offer, exactly what the environment will be like, and can answer any questions in a really sensitive manner. All right, my last tip is about marketing sensory-friendly hours properly because a lot of times businesses will try this and then they won't actually sell tickets or they won't book up and they'll just decide that, you know what, this isn't worth it. Nobody's interested. But here are some tips on how you can actually sell out your sensory-friendly hours. So number one, like I said in the beginning, just to reiterate, make sure people understand that your sensory-friendly hours are open to any family or any child who could benefit from that lower key environment. Make sure people know that, hey, your kid doesn't need a formal diagnosis in order to attend. Because like I said, a lot of times the younger kids might be autistic, but they don't have a formal diagnosis yet. Or maybe they're showing signs of sensory processing disorder, but their parents aren't quite sure why yet. Or maybe they're on a wait list for a diagnosis. So Make sure you're using that inclusive messaging in your marketing. And then number two, if you know anybody who has an autistic child or a child with sensory processing disorder, ask them to share your event. Always make an event on your Facebook page, first of all. It's a great way to get extended reach in the algorithm because anytime somebody responds going or interested, it will pop that event right in their newsfeed and it will be shown to all their friends. And Something that I've learned as a special needs mom is that we connect with one another. I have so many friends that I've met through my son's school and through our community that also have children that are just like my son. So if I were to click interested on an event, there would be dozens and dozens of people that would see that event who maybe have never even heard of that particular business. So always create a Facebook event and then Tap a couple people on the shoulder who you know could benefit from this and say, hey, if you're a member of any Facebook groups or if you know anybody that might be interested, please feel free to share this with them. A lot of times Facebook groups will ban self-promotion or anything like that. So just ask people to share it for you. And the group is going to be much more receptive to an outside person who doesn't have a stake in the business sharing that particular event. Facebook groups are really where it's at for spreading these types of events. Another tip is to share the event with any schools in the area. My son goes to um, Buffalo Hearing and Speech, which is a school specifically for children with autism and other hearing disorders or anything like that, really. So I know that if a business were to put up a flyer or to contact the school and say, hey, would you mind emailing your students about this or anything like that, I'm sure they'd be very receptive to that. They are always looking out for opportunities for the students to have a positive experience in the community. So send an email to the school directors and say, hey, if you're putting a newsletter out there or if I can send in some flyers for you to send home with students, I would really appreciate it. Again, this is a service that their students and families are going to be interested in. So they're not going to be annoyed. And the worst they can say is no. And then once you have a positive relationship with that school and can get some of the students into your facility, they're going to be telling their friends about it. They're going to be booking birthday parties. And it's going to be a win-win for everybody because the families are now going to have their go-to spot And you're going to see a big boost in your business just by being more accommodating and more inclusive and 
by going that extra step to get the word out. All right, my last tip for marketing your sensory-friendly hours is to keep it consistent. So as I mentioned, we always did it the second Tuesday of every month, and that allowed families to plan ahead and mark it off on their calendars, and it just allowed them to have that schedule and something to look forward to on the same day every month. Now, towards the end of our business, before we sold it, we did start adding additional time slots, but we always kept that original time slot so that people could depend on it. And then we would sprinkle in a few others here and there for people who had different schedules. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to part three. And as always, if you guys have any tips that you would like me to share on this podcast, I will of course be sure to credit you. Please message me on Instagram or send me an email. I would love to share any knowledge or any experience that you have with this podcast community. And also as always, if you enjoyed this show or appreciate these episodes, the best way that you can show support is to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening. All right. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, guys. I will see you Monday.